0: trigger warning we discuss karen's experience of surviving cervical cancer if that's something that's not going to be easy for you to listen to right now feel free to tune in to another episode or come back later
1: that's what's going to make it come closer if you keep watching it and then it, you come closer and closer and then when it bursts over the barrier and it's just chaos absolute chaos it's not contained it's it's waters everywhere it's 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 probably like it's probably causing like some you know surprise, some damage, it's it's burst everywhere, it's out of
0: control. Hello. So this is Karen. She's such a treat. What a luxury for the ears. Except actually, um her audio quality isn't that amazing just because we were on a Zoom call and something went dodgy. It's not as bad as I'm making it sound. I just wanted to give you a heads up so that your expectations are low and then you're very pleasantly surprised. A little bit like, you know, when you first go to one of those float tanks... And you have to be completely naked and you worry that it'll be like lying down in somebody's walk-in fridge slash old bath. Maybe that's just me. I actually went to one of those and wasn't worried. And then exactly that happened. I think because maybe the water level wasn't quite right and it never warmed up to my body temperature. I remember my tits just being really cold and having to turn over onto my front and then kind of getting a crick neck because there was like a little pillow that I put underneath my chin that made me look a little bit like an otter. I might even have had a wang just to warm up. Anyway, this episode is the opposite of that. Bad analogy. Bad, bad analogy. Because now that I've said you have to watch out for the audio quality, Uh, you won't even... There won't be a cold tit in sight is what I'm saying. During it, you'll just drift off. She's so fun. Karen, she's so positive, like infectiously so, in a way that is good. I know infection is is not good at the moment, but she has an energy, like a vibrancy with the way that she looks at the world and the way that she talks to you that is so inspiring. And I'm really glad I can share it because I know this is a tough old time for a lot of us, including me. This week has been oh, woof. I don't even want to go into why it's been so extreme, but it has been. And I'm so pleased I got this podcast to make so that I can send something positive out into the world. Oh, one extra thing. We have a Patreon where we put all of the extra chat that we can't fit into the episodes. I chat on when we are recording so much. We have to cut so much material. For Karen's episode, we have some lovely Zoom footage so you can see us at the same time as hearing our gorgeous voices. Me in my beautiful audio booth that I've built from home. Check it out and come back and ask me for tips if you want. Any advice on how to rinse BQ to create a stunning sound booth? Uh, my Patreon is Helen Duff and all the details are in the episode notes, along with, as ever, all of our guests' socials so you know where to find them. I loved this conversation. I think you will too. Let's all get rid of that cold tip float bath image that I have inserted so unpleasantly into your minds and just sit back and relax and listen to Karen. Yeah. So Karen is a fantastic comedian and performer. And in terms of the podcast, one of the reasons we thought it might be interesting to have a conversation is because in your comedy... You talk quite openly about your experiences with cervical cancer, is that right?
1: I do, yes. Imagine if you had the wrong guest. I was like, no, I'm absolutely fine. Well, did you
0: not hear it? (laughs) Uh, As I... I don't know if you've ever... (laughs) I don't know if you've ever been into, like, skate parks or, like, you've driven... You've, like, cycled up a ramp that you're then going to have to do a jump off the other side. Uh... As I was coming up to the ramp, I suddenly put the brakes on and was like, I'm rolling backwards. You know
1: when people are about to abset and they just check that they're strapped on, they're like, am I, <laughs> I going to do this? And, yes, that's fine, Helen, I've had cancer, you're fine. <laughs> when did it happen? When? How long have you been clear? So I was diagnosed when I was 24. Obviously, it's cancerous shit at any age, but Obviously, it was worse because it happened to me. But in all seriousness, it's really crap to be diagnosed that young. But it is rare to have cervical cancer that early, so I don't want people to listen and then start like freaking out that you know it's a really common thing. It's really rare. It was just unlucky. Um, and I found out because I was bleeding a bit in between periods. But I'm going to say the word discharge okay yeah do you like discharge? but could it be
0: a very particular discharge because people have i mean discharge i think is such a funny word because yeah there's like a toe curling association yeah. with it you're not really sure what's right but
1: everyone with a vagina has discharge because that's exactly its job. yeah
0: and as a result of that it's I think it's a bit like pleasure. I mean, it's obviously the opposite of pleasure, yeah. but in the sense that it could be interpreted in many. Different yeah, ways. loads
1: of different ways. And um, so, yeah. So the discharge that I had that made me worried was quite bloody. So mm. I would go to the toilet, wipe, and there'd be like a bit of blood in my knickers. Like just like the usual sort of gunkyish discharge, but with blood in it. And I thought, this is not normal. Then I bled loads after I had sex, and it wasn't sort of dark blood like you kind of get if you're a period sex or you know that sort of thing it was bright red it's like someone had cut me or, yeah. or him and there was blood everywhere And i was like oh god uh and then he said is it because my dick's too big <laughs> i was like okay
0: Maybe. Um, How did you actually react there at that point? Were you like, um, thing is, I'm going through something quite (laughs) potentially traumatising right now. And you trying to win points about the size of your penis is really not where I'm at.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I said, yeah, that's an option but i am going to go to the doctors um, and then to cut a long story uh as short as my new vagina um my post-surgery vagina uh, i went to the doctors then was referred to the hospital because they were like this didn't examination cervix looked weird long story short had cancer but and i say this every time i talk about it it feels really weird saying i was lucky But I was lucky because it was caught early. So it's not lucky to have it. But if you're going to have it, you of course want it caught early. And it was diagnosed at a late stage one. So it was still contained, which Mm. meant I didn't have to have chemo, which obviously would have been so much more harrowing to go through and i would have been so much more poorly than i already Mm. was so i had an operation to take out my cervix surrounding tissue uh it was caught early and i'm okay and i had a checkup two days ago so we'll wait for those results but statistically everything's looking good caught early but if i've been embarrassed about the blood the discharge if i felt awkward or nervous or didn't have the confidence to go to the doctors i would have definitely been diagnosed at a later stage so i'm really passionate about talking to people with vaginas and gynae anatomy and if you notice something is different for whatever it, like we're different we both have vaginas but our vaginas and vulvas will look different and act differently but if you notice something that's different for whatever's normal for you like for fuck's sake go to the doctor if you're able to because lots again I don't want to be like I've, I've got a sort of white privileged educated perspective on this and I am aware of that I do understand different people can't go to the doctors or feel comfortable for different reasons you know like fucking loads of gp surgeries you know don't have access for wheelchairs like you know and people in wheelchairs you know might bleed after Mm -hmm. sex too so i do appreciate that i've got i grew up in a family where i felt comfortable talking about it people with different cultural and religious backgrounds won't be as comfortable so if possible please get it checked out because it's most of the time Mm. nothing like it's it's statistically not going to be cancer but you know i wasn't supposed to get cancer at 24 Mm. and i did so it, ca- it can happen to anybody. Um, mic drop, goodbye.
0: <laughs> I find you so refreshing, Karen. Like your whole social media is really clear and open and funny. And what I am most attracted to is like there's no shame not suggesting that there should be mm. but I think sometimes mm. obviously I'm making this podcast but I can often be extremely private about things and sort of that mm. becomes an internalized shame because I'm like oh mm. I know we've all got these things but maybe actually me talking about them is like uncomfortable for people because it's uncomfortable mm. for people to talk about their genitals and that's definitely something inherited from my family which was a bit less open and a bit more mm. shit <laughs> um, no I just mean in <laughs> terms of that kind of stuff we're a very fabulous family Not in lots good. of ways <laughs> yeah I think actually my mum I was often like super open with her and really encouraged to be but my dad left when I was quite young so I never really got used to talking mm. about it in front of like anyone other than my mum say
1: that's really interesting because my dad didn't leave me (laughs) Um,
0: sorry to say it but god I'm being
1: such a bitch I'm feeling sassy like I do feel really lucky because from a young age you know got me pads when I started my period when I was 11 so so I felt um yeah when my mum was going through menopause you know she was really open about talking about it and you know if she suddenly had a random period as you know if things were sort of shutting shop you know she'd talk about it and yeah I feel like because from so growing up I had in the house a man who was really comfortable talking to me and letting me ask questions and you know if he didn't know the answer whatever but we would spend a lot of time together because he was self-employed so yeah I grew up with a man and talking about my body with a man and like that was comfortable. So I definitely think there's something in that, for sure.
0: I've spoken in the past on stage about wishing that I could talk to my dad more openly about sex, and people have often wrinkled their nose, like, why would you want to? That's sick. As if just the act of mentioning that sex exists to your father or anyone you're related to is in some way immediately incestuous, like <laughs> it means you're... But you're not asking to fuck your dad, are you? You're not, meant, you're not like,
1: dad, do you want to have sex? Yeah, you're not offering it, you're wanting to talk about it, not shag your dad.
0: Yeah, precisely. I think that's why people are so um, fucked up around sex yeah. because they have the idea that just talking about it is is sexual, is yes. a sexual yeah, act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think that's the case at all. I remember I used to get in quite a lot of trouble because I did a show where I was dressed as a sperm when I couldn't orgasm, when I didn't think I'd ever orgasmed. And it was all about wanting to orgasm and learning about orgasms and dressing has come. And people saw that as a really sexual act. They saw it, people accused me of being flirtatious. And it's like, for me personally, I don't see being dressed as male ejacular as something immediately erotic like sorry to spoil your fantasy but it's not something that really turns me on yeah.
1: and it's much more about if it turns you on whoever's saying this and thinking this fine but you are the person doing it with your body so you can express yourself however you want if it turns you on it does if it doesn't it doesn't who cares you no fun anymore all you do is work that
0: Obviously, you actually discovered your cancer through sex, in part. How did that impact your relationship with sex and the whole process of, Mm. of being operated on and... Everything to do with, yeah, the process.
1: So they took a biopsy at the initial hospital appointment and said, we think this is cancer. Come back in two weeks to find out. And I was like, well, I've done a drama degree, so obviously it's cancer. Like, ah. Oh. <laughs> this is so on brand. Oh, I don't have to pretend to cry anymore. And then when uh, I went back and they said it definitely is cancer, obviously you kind of start thinking, like, how the fuck has this happened? And then they started explaining about HPV, the human papillomavirus. Mm. And now I had not had uh, the HPV vaccination, which is an amazing vaccination that came out in 2008 because I was too old at school for it. And Mm. I was too young for a cervical screening, which starts at 25. So if you have a cervical screening and you have HPV, a common virus passed on through sexual contact, certain strands of the virus, um, if they don't clear, normally our immune system does clear it, like it does a cold. But sometimes certain strands in our system, if they're not cleared, can start to turn the cells of the cervix into abnormal cells. Hence what's picked up on the smear and then, you know, intervened and removed otherwise they can often they go away on their own but they can develop into cancer but like i didn't know any of this because i hadn't even had a cervical screening and i hadn't had the jab to protect me so i was kind of caught in the middle and i thought what's hpv i just didn't know what it was and he asked he said it was about sexual contact and really common and condoms don't prevent against it etc so then my mum's turned turning next to me saying like but you do use condoms don't you and i'm like oh jesus christ like oh <laughs> no <laughs> one always uses condoms, Mom okay have I been ridden bareback your only child that you had after 20 years of trying an IVF yes and I love a raw dick like oh my
0: goodness
1: (laughs) cancer now so you can't hate me like
0: in that moment did you feel like oh maybe it's my fault yeah I felt like a little
1: slag I definitely yeah yeah, completely and I am I'm trying to kind of like reclaim those words slag and slugs, obviously the negative connotation it's not you know, just
0: as a disclaimer, like I said, oh my goodness, but I love a, a naked dick as well. Is that what you saying Yeah, a yeah, yeah, a yeah, dick. yeah, yeah, a raw
1: dick. Raw yeah, dick. <laughs> and like I was, But the thing is, HPV doesn't show up on STI tests and stuff. So before having, like, I would, with new partners who I didn't use protection, would obviously have STI check, look, everything would be above board. Uh, I'm lying through my teeth. That's not true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> before we had any sexual contacts, we'd both go to a clinic. No, no, and we did I don't know dance. why
1: I just said that. I'm lying through my teeth my teeth (laughs) i have had sti tests but not all the time anyway you know what i mean um but hpv doesn't show up so i was just thinking fuck like i've not looked after myself properly but i didn't know about sti tests don't check for it and it's really common and stuff i didn't know as much about it i had to kind of learn from the consultant and loads of information but i immediately felt dirty
0: isn't it so funny that phrasing i haven't looked after myself properly yeah there have been so many instances in my life where I've ended up in hospital, not multiple, I haven't, like, been in and out all the time. (laughs) I remember I got, I remember I got, actually, this really reveals how, what a desperate soul I was. I got a kidney infection after Suresh, I think, like, got into my, yeah, into my internal system. And what had happened was I'd been seeing this guy, like, you know when it's one night stands, but it's like a series of one night stands. Yes. That's never going to become anything else. Because you're extremely lonely and they're highly attractive from the outside, but, like, awful on the inside mm. um you start to perceive it as being like potentially oh, something baby. else yes, I
1: know. so I know. anyway
0: after um we'd had all of this quite like uh not that pleasurable sex for me um but like going through the motions mm. I'd got really bad thrush and then it become a kidney infection and then I'd ended up in hospital for like three days
1: oh sweetheart
0: And I was really lonely at that point, so actually being taken care of by the nurses, I remember just waking up in the middle of the night, they were changing my drip and I was like, I I think I'm in heaven, Yeah. these angelic, angelic people. Yeah. Anyway, I got out and I sent him this long email saying like, I've had this kidney infection and I was thinking about you while I was in the hospital and I really felt like it was a sign that we should probably be together because I just felt so vulnerable and you were the only person I wanted to talk to about it (laughs) and he never emailed me.
1: stop it
0: and i remember at that time really blaming myself and thinking i haven't taken care of my own Mm. body i don't feel any connection to i feel like it's this thing that stuff happens inside of and i'm not really in control of Mm -hmm. yeah
1: you feel almost like this yeah this physical thing is going on and because of your disconnect between your heart and mind and the physical you feel like that's why the physical has happened because you've not been kind to yourself or I mean that's you know it's not the case it's just you know you had some thrush and it got a bit out of hand like I had sex as loads of people do and had bad luck it's not what I didn't add
0: actually I did make myself seem more pure the reason I think it got worse was because I'd had quite a vigorous wank in the bath and as a consequence of the warm water and probably the bubbles, um, that's what led it to become...
1: I love how we both just lie to each other. <laughs> like, it's the start of a beautiful friendship and we're both just telling stories in the way we want them to be received. I remember like, crying. That's not true, that's not true. I was true. crying
0: when they told me, when I went into A&E, because I was like, I was really cold. I had oh, a f- no. high fever and I couldn't get warm. Oh my God. So I was actually very hot, but yeah. I felt freezing, I was shivering. And that's how I knew something wasn't right. So I tackled to the doctor's surgery and they were like, you need to go straight to hospital. <gasps> And then I cycled myself to the hospital oh, like a fool. And then um, oh I got there God. and I was shaking on this bed. And I was like, they explained what happened. And I went, am I, am I the kind of person who should just never have sex again? Is that, is it because I had sex that I shouldn't? Yeah. I should not do that? And she was like, No, you're fine. You'll be fine. Turn that off. I need a way.
1: I blame myself. I completely blame myself. And then I thought, No, I've had no more or less sex than I've wanted to. I've had the good amount of normal... Like, you know, everything's above board. It's just fucking bad luck. That's Mm. it. So for ages, I didn't have sex because I was having so many kind of tests to, you know, get the staging of the cancer and then, you know, things put up you you. Because also, it's not like it was a cancer that's not attached to sex in any way. Like, even if it wasn't caused by the virus, it would have still been... You know, so invasive because it's like up. they have to go up your vagina every time they want to look at you. I was being checked to see if it had spread. And I had a, um, some anaesthetic. And then I had a camera up all three holes at the same time. Because <gasps> if it had spread, it would have gone to the pelvic area. So they're like, we'll check the pelvic area with cameras. Because MRI scans... Like, I learned so much about my body, like our ovaries, etc. You sort of think, oh, there they are on the body when you look at a diagram. but
0: mm. But
1: obviously they're really far into our bodies they're not just if i shaved my tummy off Mm. you'd see my ovaries they're really embedded and they're tiny and and so is the cervix and womb like the womb can fit in the palm of your hand really easily isn't that mental and that's where a baby grows it's it's so tiny um so i an mri scan didn't really show anything in that area so i had to kind of have cameras so i didn't have sex for ages after my surgery recovering i for so long it took me I can't even remember how long now, a long time to feel even aroused again, because mm-hmm. I was so used to any time someone came near between my legs, it was a medical person,
0: mm-hmm. it had
1: gotten so medicalized, like the most sort of, I hate the word intimate because that kind of insinuates a little bit of shame in a way i think sometimes that like, you know intimate sh- sh- secret mm. um but it is an intimate area so it is a mostly private area mm. and then to have that kind of for months on end you know anyone that was there in that area in my vagina and and genitals being medical and yes they had to be there because they were saving my life but it definitely took a long time for me to stop associating my pelvis and genitals with um, with medicine and with and with illness, I felt even after I was saved in air quotes, I felt ill still. If that makes sense, because you yeah. could you could see the scars um on of sort of you know around my pubic area and tummy where they'd done the surgery. and I felt different. I looked different. It felt different. Obviously from the surgery, like going to the toilet felt different. And mm. you go to the toilet several times a day, so I just felt I felt poorly even though I was even though I was well for all intents purposes um and yeah it took me ages to feel aroused I didn't feel sexy I didn't feel like sexy for so long because my body looked a bit different um and yeah it took a long time for me to actually think wow I really enjoyed that shag.
0: Was there um, a gap between first starting to have sex again and then enjoying it as well?
1: 100% so I'd say for about I think about around about a year.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: did- post surgery, so I would still have sex, and it wasn't like I did. I did it and didn't want to. I do you know what, Helen? I wanted to want it.
0: Yeah, that's. It. I can identify yeah. with that so strongly. Yeah,
1: like I was still. I was enjoying. I was enjoying kissing. I felt. I felt the starings, you know, I felt aroused when I was, when I was kissing, um, like nipples and like basically anything that wasn't between my legs. Cause that's where everything had gone wrong. Any mm-hmm. other sensual, sensual, sexual stuff that wasn't, you know, in the vagina, I, I loved but then when it came to penetration or oral sex in fingering I just was oh no no because that's where the doctors are and I'm ill and that place is a poorly place now and yeah. so yeah I d- it definitely took a long time for me to kind of do you know what I think it was I think I had to get to the point where it was probably around the one year mark because I had the one year all clear sort of thing it was probably the fact that statistically i could be told from how well the checkups the regular checkups were going in that year i think i could be told that it's looking good and that i won't get ill again or you know this Ill cancer's gone you're clear so i think it was kind of almost closing that chapter and thinking okay that is over and it was more yeah. of a psychological thing yeah it was oh god and it was awful pretending to enjoy it and i pretended to enjoy it and i didn't of
0: course and did you have partners that you felt you could trust to even explain what was happening for you
1: so i had um the guy that i bled a lot with that kind of led me to the diagnosis so we were together for about a year and a half in total and and we were still together during the sort of year post-surgery so we kind of i kind of got cancer about six months after we got together and we broke up around that sort of one year mark probably when i was starting to feel comfortable and enjoy myself again and uh no he was the he was the worst boyfriend ever he was i i pretended to enjoy it i faked orgasms the whole year uh and like and then i found out via an email oh. that he'd been sleeping with someone else in the bed that we had mo- we just moved in together and he had someone else and she sent me photos of her in my bed what the fuck i know so but
0: so both intolerable people. So
1: normally, that story would be like, wow, like the crescendo of the podcast. But because we're talking about cancer, it's like, yeah, of course the boyfriend was shagging someone else in our bed. Like, that's not... It almost felt... When I found out, I just thought, I've, I've had cancer at 24. Like, I really... I've got a thicker skin now. Like, fuck the fuck off. Yeah. And so no, he was hideous. He was hideous, hideous, hideous. He would just ram me in. He wouldn't kind of... Like So I definitely found that I was paying a lot more attention when I was masturbating to my clitoris, which I think is great, you know, pleasure-wise anyway. But I was quite young and hadn't really explored my body that much by the time it sort of started falling to pieces. So I definitely kind of probably started to masturbate more than I kind of had before once this was over because external clitoral stuff was much easier and less sensitive and sore. So like, he wouldn't even pay attention to my clit. And this man used to be a sex worker. Like he used oh to my like goodness. he like he's been paid to pleasure people and just would ignore my clitoris even though that's where I was enjoying myself. Oh I, honestly I think Helen, it's like such honestly, a
0: sign of of that person not being the right person for you that it wouldn't even occur to them after somebody had been through serious invasive surgery to uh, <laughs> like <laughs> he didn't even idea, say, oh, like, you're right. <laughs> The idea of you um faking orgasms I just think sometimes uh, people just don't want to see it. They don't want to realise how deeply their uh, ignorance goes mm. in terms of to not uh, acknowledge that, of course, you're not coming straight away. Yeah. And of course, you're not like fireworks everywhere popping off. Because, I mean, I personally, if I was having sex with you and you were orgasming really easily after that kind of surgery, I'd be like, wow, Karen doesn't, doesn't seem to have been affected at all yeah. by... What's happened to her? It would be bizarre. Yeah. It would be,
1: you know? You would find it obvious. so weird if we started having sex and I was, like, screaming the house down a month after surgery. You'd <laughs> like, you ah. know, is she absolutely batshit? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. You're like, come on, deal with what's gone on. Let's explore other stuff. But you didn't, nothing.
0: And was it safe for you to even have penetrative sex at that point?
1: You know, everyone's body heals at different rates, mm. but um, they said you could probably try after about six weeks. Uh, so kind of on the day, you know, quick, quick pub dinner.
0: <laughs> Back to- it sounds like the kind of pressure that women sometimes experience. Yeah. You know, you have a period after you've had a baby yeah, and then suddenly there's like the night that it's all OK. And
1: it's like nothing really changes from one day to the next but totally day, it's six weeks post surgery let's have some lukewarm chips in the pub and I'm gonna fucking shag you
0: so after, you're so funny about it that it's hard to believe that any of it has actually been really really awful uh, but I'm sure it was a bit even if he was a clear uh, like a, a red alarm blaring cunt mm. I'm sure you would have at least felt a little bit betrayed and outraged so trusting people after that mm. would Were you in a place where you thought, okay, I need to really watch my boundaries? Mm. Or were you kind of the opposite and you felt like, fuck it, I've been through something really awful, it can't get any worse, let's go?
1: I was fuck it in every element of my life, other than, so I started doing stand-up a year after, around this time as well. Because I just thought, this is a joke. This is just a joke. Of course I'm going to have to talk about it. Uh, So in every element of my life, I try and stand up and I change jobs to a job that I now enjoy more. Um, I went, oh, fuck it. But with boys, I was so much more cautious. And then the next person I met after this horrible guy, um, Mm. we didn't have... Penetrative sex for until three or so months after we started dating.
0: Oh my goodness, you're basically in an Austin novel. Oh my god, like,
1: god. like oh. So Chase, like I just, I just like we, we did everything else like day one, yeah. Ain't <laughs> me, me out behind the bins, hello. Um, but I just, I just didn't want, and it was nothing to do with him. So lovely, really sexy, great um, foreplay, great oral, all great fingers, everything. I just did not want his penis in my vagina i was like no i'm scared i'm scared and it was that whole mm-hmm. there's medical from the cancer stuff and then there's complete betrayal
0: totally in the
1: time when you're trying to process the sad and bad and scary stuff that's gone on then the person you're supposed to trust um is not understanding your sort of the sort of sexual side of it and is fucking someone else so yeah i for ages uh for about three or so months with this lovely guy just didn't want just didn't want it
0: Mm.
1: and then eventually when we did I definitely felt relaxed and ready and there was no rush and that made all the difference
0: all the difference having a trusting relationship I think is
1: it's not much to ask is
0: it I I was talking the other day with a a friend who has done loads of work around trauma and sexual trauma Mm. and they are at a place where they feel really like in themselves you know there's not much more they can do in terms of healing Mm. but then the next stage is obviously having a relationship with somebody who affirms and kind of extends that work Mm -hmm. that you've done personally and I think there's not really any replacement for that if you're somebody who wants to be Mm. in relationship with others you have to have an experience where you feel held and like you can have space and time to explore yourself with that person Mm -hmm. I mean that sounds lush do
1: you mind if we try uh, yeah sure
0: did you find that the sensation had changed I mean in terms of orgasms have they changed
1: so lots of people that have had gyny surgery i'm not sure in terms of people that transition and have you know vulvas made for them i'm so i'm talking Mm. surgery in terms of like a cancer like removing stuff because of illness and loads of people lose the ability to orgasm vaginally if they've had this type of surgery or more invasive surgery if there's a different type of gynae cancer or if my cancer had progressed so i was really worried that i wouldn't be able to have a vaginal orgasm um, mm-hmm. And those of people obviously who have had vulval cancer have trouble with clitoral orgasms afterwards because obviously that's the area affected rather than internally. But that's I was so worried that I wouldn't be able to orgasm from penetration. And when I did, I was so relieved and I hate mm. I hate thinking that I would have thought I was broken because I know lots of people can't orgasm that way. So I don't ever want it to sound like I think that they're broken they're not everybody is wonderful but I loved having vaginal orgasms and I was so scared that I would have lost that and I think Mm -hmm. come on I don't I don't deserve to have cancer and then not be able to have like, and fireworks when I shag. Like, come on. I was so, I felt so hard done by, which sounds so, in, which sounds so entitled, doesn't it?
0: No, it doesn't. It sounds like it's the Dickens novel that never got written. Yeah. Like I would have loved to have read that.
1: Dickens, D-I-C-K-I-N-S, and I'm Dickens. Um, and I was just, I was just so, uh. and then when I did, I thought, thank God. But yes, the sensation is different. So because my vagina is shorter now, so you've got like, you go, through the vagina there's a tunnel and then there's a little cervix at the top so they took out the cervix
0: am I right in thinking that if you're ever with somebody who is pounding you too hard uh, and I say too hard because I know actually sometimes it can be really fun to go hard uh, but it's, like, painful. Mm. The thing that's being pounded against is the cervix. That's right, isn't it?
1: Yeah, so the cervix is at the top of the vagina, um, and then looking head on, it looks like a donut, but it actually is in itself a little sort of tube into the womb. And mm. um, So when uh, the cervix is taken out, the, my cancer was sort of at the lower end of the cervix, so the vagina end rather than the top end, if that makes sense. So I had a third of my vagina removed, and uh, I, for example, bleed more easily now when having sex not mm-hmm. not a lot um but i have been known when kind of certain positions or if it's a bit rougher or harder it's kind of there's no cervix there now it's kind of just scarring you know it's just yeah there yes and deeper penetration is less pleasurable than it used to be so and or if you know kind of um like if you're doing like doggy style where your pelvis isn't supported at all because you're not sat on anything you're not lying down on anything you're just sort of it's in the air the pelvis is in the air going hard with that can hurt more easily than it used to because you know there's just there's just less there. It's just more sensitive.
0: Yeah, totally. I'm I'm not on for doggy style. I just like to lie down. You're
1: not. <laughs> no. You not? No. Just like to lie down. Do you like to lie down and be on top? If, as long as you can sort of lie. Yeah, yeah. I like
0: to like. I like to. That makes me sound very vanilla. Um, I I like to switch up a lot. <laughs> I just don't like my tits hanging down. It's not comfortable for me.
1: Do you know what? I understand. They do sort of. They do just sort of hang in little triangles straight down, don't they? Like kind of sacks. And yeah, I kind of tend to, if I'm doing that, I might sort of hold on to my boobs with one hand in the headboard. I don't know, yeah. Then
0: it feels like you're like running to catch a bus. Do you know what I mean? When you have to like hold your tits. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it just takes like, me oh, out yeah, of I'm it. I'm coming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: and also, I like clitoral and G-spot stimulation. So... To let's like, mm. orgasm, that's about how I get there the best. And so for me, Doggy Style, you don't get the clip rubbing against them in the same way. So yeah, maybe that's also why I'm just like, yeah, I'm not feeling it as much. It's not as great Maybe for that's me.
1: why. Did you, did you,
0: did you really want these? Do you know yourself? How well do you know this? So I really want you to describe for me exactly what it feels like for you when you orgasm.
1: So when I'm having penetrative sex with a penis I find when I can tell that they're getting closer to coming that really really spurs me on mm. however good the the actual sex is the clitoral play the oral that's come before what like whatever has gone on and is happening knowing that they're getting closer to coming absolutely ramps it up a notch for me and then I imagine like you know a natural disaster (laughs) you know like a tsunami you know when you see like in the distance and say you're going to watch the tsunami awful horrible please donate to charities that help those families but (laughs) back to me and when you see the sort of water in the distance and it's sort of coming closer and closer, and you're sort of nervous for it, but it's you can't not watch it. So you're kind of watching it, and it's getting closer and closer, and it doesn't seem that explosive because it's so far away, but you're just like, okay, I'm watching this and can't stop watching it. And then say there's like a pier or an edge that it, it bursts over, and it gets closer and closer, and you get more and more nervous, but also can't... you get more and more enthralled and addicted to watching it the closer it gets, because this is bewitching and entrancing and it's going to come closer and closer and there's nothing you can do to stop it other than watch it that's what's going to make it come closer if you keep watching it and then it you come closer and closer and then when it bursts over the barrier and it's just chaos absolute chaos it's not contained it's it's waters everywhere it's probably causing like some, you know, surprise, some damage. It's it's burst everywhere. So surprise, control.
0: some damage. It's like serial, serial deaths.
1: <laughs> yeah, serial death. Like so many people have died um, <laughs> due to this. Uh, so that's what I feel like it is. But also, I really, really, really get off on knowing there's a penis inside me, and it's my duty to milk it.
0: Oh, I love that. I really love that. Because actually that makes you quite powerful. It's like you're really
1: active in that. Yeah. I'm like, so I imagine the penis like a udder, <laughs> And I'm oh, yeah. like, my, my vagina is like the little milkmaid bitch hand. Mm. Yeah, my vagina is the hand. So whatever position I'm in, I'm like doing my little milkmaid job of being like a good girl. I like to be quite submissive, but I'm just a good girl. and I'm going to milk you. And I really love that challenge of like, it's my job to milk you i really love that so that combined with the natural disaster bursting and causing death and damage
0: i love i loved it i loved that your (laughs) your (laughs) orgasm involved destroying an entire island but um i also really like the fact that in that description you're active with the milking so you're not being Mm. fucked you're like effectively I'm doing, you're it, doing yeah. it but also that uh that's the bit you're almost focusing on because you trust mm. so much that your tsunami orgasm is coming over the over the brow of the hill yeah. like when yeah. you described you just need to keep watching it as if yeah. it's coming there's no way it's, it's not coming, coming. Yeah,
1: yeah yeah and if I carry on doing my job if I because I've stamped him for my shift if I I focus on the kind of like milking the dick And I know I will get there because of how much I trust myself and my body that I enjoy the whole experience of milking the dick. I know that I can, my third eye can watch the wave. I am
0: really blown away and very inspired, actually, I hope that's not too big a word to use, by the trust that you have in your body and by the fact that you are so open and so fun when you talk about everything you've been through do you think those things go hand in hand do you think your openness has fed your trust and vice versa by being trusting of yourself you've been open and being open you've trusted your instincts more and that's all fed into everything
1: I do definitely think they go hand in hand but I will say people probably like all the fans are like oh my god she's so fun (sighs) and inspiring but it took so long to get there Mm -hmm. for so long i felt broken crap i hated my body i didn't trust my body i thought how dare my vagina do this to me at such a young age like i it was the real disconnect we were talking earlier about between kind of like mind and body and, and and self and i was really angry i definitely kind of played the victim card i felt very victimized by life by my body by sex i thought fuck this, this is so unfair, how dare life do this? And then as time passes, time does heal, quite literally, and you can start to find pleasure again. I did survive, people do die from it, and I think the fact that I didn't kind of gave me that new appreciation of like, well if i survive that and it's around the time I, as i said when i started enjoying sex is when i started doing stand-up it's the adrenaline and liberation of if i didn't die in the hospital like who then cares if i die on stage like it doesn't matter
0: wow yeah what an amazing so i just energy.
1: fuck it fuck it in all senses it doesn't matter yeah
0: fuck that fuck little that little cow literally
1: fuck that yeah <laughs> fuck that cow get that milk you good little bitch
0: So that was Karen. What a top-level legend. Such an uplifting person to talk to. As you can probably tell, I giggled a lot during that chat. When I asked her for a photo to use in the promo materials for this episode, she sent me a stunning shot of her bare bum, which unfortunately I couldn't share because it just didn't really fit with the aesthetic that we were going for in terms of using guests' faces to um, (laughs) generally publicise their reps. But uh, maybe we'll whack it up on Patreon. You can see it there. I'll ask Karen, if that's cool. If you want to become a Patreon, a regular subscriber, give some cash to the podcast, help us keep making it and get access to all the extra audio and video stuff that we're doing alongside the making of the podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash Helen Duff. If you don't want to commit to like a regular monthly payment, that's cool. Kofi, we have one of those too, so you can just whack one off pennies or pounds into it. Some people have popped some cash in that Kofi this month who A, I was not expecting at all to even listen to the podcast. B, some of you I've never met and I'm astounded by your generosity and C, I also kind of forgot because I got so into making the podcast anyone was going to listen to it and have their own experience of it so I love hearing your reactions, it really, really makes me feel like it's worth getting up sometimes uh is that too much of an overshare possibly but these are difficult times so the fact that people are enjoying the podcast is really bringing me a lot of joy the link is in our episode notes along with everything all of karen's socials all of the links but it is www.co-fi that's ko com forward slash Duff. if none of those things appeal and you're not in a place where you can give pennies or pounds at this moment understand completely what is this moment then share it share it with a friend and subscribe and review it give it five stars that way people you don't know will find it as well some people have already done that and again cannot thank you enough blown away by it. Just want people to hear this podcast and enjoy it as much as I know you already are because you've told me. If you've listened this far, you clearly have enjoyed it because otherwise, why on earth have you not logged off? This episode was edited by the brilliant Daisy Grant. What a cracker jack. And our whole podcast is produced by me, Daisy Grant and Lorna Treen. Couldn't ask for a more wonderful team. Okay, I'm going to have to get some more superlatives because I realise I've repeated myself several times. Have a great rest of your week. I can't wait for you to hear the next episode. Enjoy yourself.